into the Word of God, spend time together. So first, I want to welcome you if this is your home. If, if, you, if you've come back home, that's good. If, if you were here last week, if you are at home, I want to welcome you too. Let's give a great big relate welcome and let them know how much we care about it. Everybody who's watching online right now, would y'all give it up for them? We do that because sometimes it's easy easy for them to forget that, that we're here and easy for us to forget if we don't see each other. So I am thrilled uh, every, every time one of you gets to come in, for even if it's just for another week, we love doing life together. So don't forget about small groups this week. They are going strong. Lots of exciting things happening. And today we're in the second week of Not Today Satan. So how many of you guys, you heard last week's message, because this is a continue of last week. That's good. If you didn't, I want to encourage you to go back and watch it, because it's really the foundation. We're going to step up on the the second step today and kind of dive a little bit deeper into it, but uh, I just will give you this right off the top. We are not here to glorify the devil, certainly, even though uh, some people will say this is his month and he gets to celebrate all all month long toward Halloween. We're not celebrating our enemy. What we're doing is we are uh, understanding the strategies of the enemy. And as we read the scripture, that's what, that's what Paul tells us, that we understand his strategies, we understand his motives. And when we do, it helps us to, to know his playbook, and that takes away his power. So we're going to continue this week with Not Today Satan, and some of you guys Beyond knowing, so let me just say this from the beginning, beyond knowing what you need to know about the devil and knowing scripture, because that's not everything you need. You got to have this confidence. You got to have some kind of the Holy, let the Holy Spirit give you some boldness so you can stand up and say, no more, not today, I'm done. And I know that feels a little bit over the top. Some, we don't want to be over dramatic, but sometimes when you're getting robbed, you have to be able to stand up and say, no, sir, I'm done with this. Sometimes you need to be able to put your foot down. And if you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. If you, are, uh, if you have employees, you know what I'm talking about. If you have brothers and sisters, you know what I'm talking about. If you've been around people, you know what I'm talking about. You have to put your foot down sometimes and say, no more. And we have an enemy that will steal from you, he'll rob from you, he'll lie to you, and he will ultimately destroy you. He will kill you if you let him, and we're not going to sit back and let it happen anymore. So today we're going to dive in, but I don't want to start talking with expanding and unpacking the devil. I want us to talk about God for just a second so we can kind of see the contrast. So God... Uh, it's, it's easy for us to, to get confused as to who's got power and who doesn't have power, who's, who can do this and who doesn't, because we don't see the supernatural all the time. So God is not like the devil. God is on a whole different, they're not even in the same ballpark. They're not, uh, they're not like on, one's on the red team and one's on the blue team and we'll see who wins. It, this is not that at all. God's already won. God has all the power. In fact, there's a few words that describe God. And if you have notes today, if you have your binders, I want you to write this down. That God is omniscient, meaning he knows everything. God, because I pray and I say, God, this has happened in my life. This is happening. He already knows what's happening in my life. 
God already knows all about science. In fact, it's funny to me that a lot of times people trying to disprove God with science end up proving. They end up creating more questions and more questions and more questions because the more we know, we realize we don't know anything. But God knows everything because he created everything and he knows it all at the same time. Not only that, he's omnipotent, meaning that he is all-powerful. He doesn't deplete his power, and then whenever he gets a little bit more power, he can do another miracle. God is all-powerful. He's full of miracles. He's full of creation. He's full of all authority, and he's omnipresent, meaning that he is everywhere at one time. We don't have to wait until he's done on one side of the universe so that he can come over on our side and see what's happening. He's not waiting for you to pray so that you can say, God, I know you're busy, but I got a lot going on. If you could just help me with this. No, he doesn't need our prayers. We need to pray. We need to position ourselves with prayer closer to God's power, closer to our relationship with God. And so Psalm 139, one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible, it gives us this great picture of who we are in God and how, how God operates. And it, David says, you are familiar with all my ways. God knows. He knows about you. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows what you're thinking. He, know, he goes on to say, before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. God knows what's going on. And it, it, it's easy for us to think, well, God knows and he doesn't care. That's not true. God's given us the job to do something about the, the issues and the things of life, the problems in life. He has commissioned us as the church to be his hands and his feet and his mouth. And so here's what I want you to recognize right up front, that God and the devil are not the same. And that while God is all powerful, all knowing and omnipresent, he's everywhere. The devil is none of those things. The devil knows a lot of things. The devil is powerful, but he's not all powerful. And the devil is not everywhere at one time. And we just think, oh, the devil's trying to get me. No, the devil has legions of, uh, of demonic forces, authorities, powers, principalities. Like we, we don't fully know what the army of the devil looks like, but we know that there is one. So he has a network. So it's easy to imagine. It's like the army. There's generals and lieutenants and commanders, and they send some this way and some that way, but we're not up against an all-powerful enemy. And he can't just squash you whenever he wants to. He can't be everywhere at one time. So real quick, we're going to look at some of the names for the devil, because the devil is called a lot of things, and it's easy to think, well, there's Satan, and then there's the devil. No, that's the same thing. There's the son of the morning, slanderer. He's called the accuser. Sometimes it, it's referring to his name in the Bible. Sometimes it's referring to an attribute, uh, attribute or characteristic of the devil. The tempter, Lord of the flies, the evil one, murderer. He's called murderer, ruler of the authority of the air. He's called our adversary, Apollyon, Abaddon, the dragon, ruler of this world, God of this age, the enemy, liar, father of lies, over and over and over. In fact, he, he's, he's often compared to or discussed with lies because he is a liar. He is the father of lies. Uh, I like the message paraphrase that says that when he speaks, he's, when he lies, he's speaking his native language. That like when, when he talks, he's lying. When he speaks, when he, 
when he gives information, when he tries to influence us, he's lying. And so, first point on your notes is this. We think the devil, well, he could attack anytime from anywhere, from high or low or right or le- like, how will I know if the, if the devil's attacking me? First off, I want you to know that he's going to attack you. We talked all about that last. It's not if, it's more when, because he's going to attack. It's his job. He's like a, a the, Peter describes him as a, a, a prowling lion. A roaring lion prowling around seeking who he might destroy, right? He's going to try and attack us and he can attack any, it's easy for us to be afraid or become fearful, but we actually know a lot about his attacks. First off, we know that if he attacks, he's going to attack with a lie. So if we already know what he's going to do, if we already know what the attack looks like, we can begin to counter that attack. So the devil will attack you with lies. We talked about this last week, that the first problem in the Bible is not, it wasn't sin. That's Genesis chapter 3. Satan comes in, and we're going to read that in just a second, but the first problem is isolation, where God says it's not good for man to be alone. We overcome that. Eve, Adam, and Eve were created, and then Eve encounters the serpent, or the devil disguised to come to Eve and trick her into eating the fruit. You've probably all heard the story a hundred times, but I want us to read just a little piece of it. And and I also want you to think about this, that when we're studying the Bible, when we're trying to unpack it and figure out what different things mean, there are so many references to the devil, so many references to different things. There's what's called the law of first mention, meaning if we go back to the first time something's mentioned in the Bible, we get the clearest most basic understanding of that thing. And then from that point, we can add to it. So we're going to look at the first time the devil is mentioned, and that is Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. And right off the bat, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. This is the first time we see the influence of of the enemy where he comes in and he's going to lie to, we're going to look at the lie, but he he tries to trick Eve into doing what God said don't do. God said you can eat of all the trees, but don't eat of this one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he comes in with a strategy. Remember last week we talked about the strategies of the enemy, that he has a plan for your life. And if you listen to the lie, if his attack works and you believe the lie, then you're living in his plan for your life. We get derailed from God's plan. And this is uh, this idea of the devil being crafty. It's really easy for us to imagine, well, what does a crafty devil look like? Maybe like a little leprechaun or like a little uh, bridge troll, and he's got some riddles for us, and no. (laughs) He really wants to destroy us. And we could put a little funny hat on him and we can give him a little pitchfork and a little pointy tail and we could, we could dress him up. But he's not that. He really, if you give him an inch, he will take your life. I want you to watch this video. I couldn't find a video of a prowling lion, a roaring lion, but I found something that's pretty close. So watch this. No animals were hurt in this video. 
Hey. Hi, sweet thing. Hi, sweet thing. Go on. You're a pretty one. Hey. You're a good girl. Get on out of here. Hello. Ah, ah, ah. No closer. If that was me, uh, every, it would have taken everything to not just turn and run. But then I think that would have been the worst thing he could have done. But listen, this, uh, the ranger or the guide, he knew exactly what to do, right? Even though he had power in his hand, he didn't run. He had a strategy and he knew, man, that, was, that to me is a, a really scary moment because none of them without that gun could stand up. To that bear, even still, a grizzly bear, <laughs> I'm not sure that the gun could have taken him down. It's scary to imagine what could have happened there, but in that moment, you've got this animal that's prowling around, looking, it's just testing. You see how he came in a couple of times and then backed up, and then came back in? To me, that, that's how I imagine the devil is whenever he's, he's just testing. He's seeing how weak we are. He's seeing if we're going to stand up. And I love how the guy just like barked at him almost. says, uh-uh-uh. No, sir, not today. You got to have some kind of grit in you. And you need to have some kind of force in you that rises up and says, no, you're not going to do this today. And I love how he told everybody, get behind me, put your hands in the air. We have our own strategy. We're going to prepare for this. We're not going to let this happen. And while the devil's not as powerful, he can't just crush you whenever he wants to. But if you don't stand up to him, he definitely will come in and take everything he wants. And the difference, I think, is the one difference I could think of between that situation and a, a, a roaring lion is that lions hunt in prides. A, a, a lion doesn't just come at you and test you on one side. A lion hopes you'll run because there's somebody on the other side waiting to pounce. So the devil has complex strategy. He's been doing it for thousands of years. He knows how we'll respond, and he knows that one or two or three, the handful of things could happen. And so he's prepared for those things. But the scripture is very clear that if we resist the devil, he'll flee. Our job in the middle of this is not to slay the lion or the bear or the devil. Our job is to stand. And so if we stand, we win. If we don't run out of fear, if we don't back up, if we just do the things that God told us, he said, put on the full armor of God so that you might stand. Pray in the spirit. Pray for your brothers. Pray, like use the tools. Take the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith. Use what God gave us so that we can stand, not so that you can kill the devil. But you gotta have that force in you that says, I'm going to war if that's what it takes. 
because no weapon formed against me will prosper. I'm going to stand here because God put me here. So real quick, you may never have considered these things, but if the devil has strategies and battle strategies and war strategies, which we are in a spiritual war, there are only three types of military strategies, although there are many specific strategies. They all fit into three different categories. And so those three categories are attrition, annihilation, and exhaustion. Attrition is the gradual erosion of our combat power. Or if I'm attacking, it's going to be the slow, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on the weapons of my enemy and I'm going to take them down and slowly over time, I'm going to, I'm going to destroy their ability to attack me. And annihilation is all at one time. Maybe it's a bombing uh, campaign where we're just going to wipe everything out at one time. A complete and immediate destruction of the enemy's combat power. The third one, exhaustion, is the gradual, indirect erosion of an enemy's, not their combat power. So I'm not focusing on their weapons or their ability to fight. I'm, I'm focusing on their will to fight. And so... And so The thing about a lie is, the thing about the way the devil attacks us, he can attack all three at one time. He can attack attack us by attrition just over time. He's going to keep testing, and he's going to keep attacking a lie, and we're going to talk about where the lie lands on us and how the devil knows exactly which lie to use, like he does with Eve. He doesn't just step in, and the, the Bible says he's crafty. He knows. We're going to look at that. So when we expect spiritual attacks, number one, expect lies. We decide to to take a step of faith. You decide to get your family into church. You decide, I'm going to start reading my Bible this year. I'm going to start getting in spiritual shape. I'm I'm going to start going to church every week, or I'm going to join a small group, or I'm going to go to growth track, and I'm going to I'm going to get my life right. When you make that decision, it's like all hell breaks loose. You ever done something and you feel like, I'm going to make this decision for God. And then it feels like everything that can go wrong will go wrong. You need to know, and we talked about this last week, that what you're going through is more spiritual than you think. The devil's not behind you being late for work probably. But he is attacking you. And if you're not, if you're not standing up and, and counteracting that attack then we're being very naive. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. We're doing a little bit of uh, review from last week because I want you to carry this with you every week. A final word, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. We talked about God's power last week and that is not our power. And where does that come from? How do we use God's power? Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm. So that's the, that's the end goal, the result. You'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Watch this. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. You and I don't have to know exactly what the enemy's army looks like and where they're positioned and where they're stationed. And we don't need to have a war room where we have everybody figured out and yarn connecting all the pieces. And this guy said this. And we intercepted... uh, Orders for this, we don't need all that. I just need to stand. I just have to defend this space and do the work that God's given me. So you're not fighting against, oftentimes it feels like you're fighting against your landlord or your boss 
right? Maybe you feel like you're fighting against uh, Republicans, Democrats. You're fighting against a political party or an idea or a Uh, You're fighting against President Trump or President Biden or you're fighting against your neighbor because they mowed your yard a little bit too much. (laughs) Or they cut down your tree. Or they parked in front of your house. Listen, I know what we go through. And it feels like we're fighting this. It feels like we're fighting people, but the things that we are really in a fight with, it's easy to get distracted with those things. In 2017, when the Lord spoke to Angela and I about planning this church, and I've told this story so many times, but when, God, when we knew that God wanted us to start a church, we said, okay, God, it's the two of us in our living room. We're going to tell people, and we're going to start a, a Bible study in our house, and as soon as we announced, hey, we're going to start a church, as soon as we told people, we told our parents, hey, we're going to start a church. We don't know exactly what that's going to look like or what it means but we know that it's going to start this year. I'm telling you that everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Everything in our life started going wrong. It made us think, wow, what's going on? Our AC went out in our house. The kids got sick. My truck was stolen. I thought, I'll have a truck. I know I'll need some equipment. We'll have a trailer. We'll be able to. I thought, how am I going to do this? God, what happened? Then I got sick. (laughs) Two months before we were actually going to launch, I I lost my voice, and I've never lost my voice. For two weeks, I'm thinking, God, how am I going to start a church if I can't? What happens if my voice doesn't come back? What happens if it took us, I think, 60 days to get the truck lined out with the insurance? They couldn't find it. They had to do an investigation. All this time, I'm thinking, God, what happened? I thought we were going to plant a church. I thought we were going to start a church. And you know what? Even if I thought that the devil did all of those things, what the devil really did was after those things, while all those things are happening, I keep getting the lies in my head that are saying, I thought, God, did God really want you to start a church? I mean, don't you need your truck for a church or something? I'm, don't you need your voice? I mean... Wouldn't God want you to have your voice? Isn't that something you need? (laughs) And we get stuck in the middle of all the lies. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. And so the, the way that we defend against those lies, the way that we are attacked is not the way that the, wor- the, the world fights. The way that we position ourselves for war is not the way that, like, if, if we went to war today, the Army, the, the Marines, the Navy, the Space Force, all of the forces, their, their position or their posture for war would be something like this, right? But you and I, when we get ready for war, it doesn't look like this. What does it look like? It might look like this when we pull out our phone and we start Oh, this person is really getting me. I'm going to get them right now. We start typing a message. We start sending that missile across the bow. We start thinking of how am I going to lash back? How am I going to fight this battle? How am I going to put this person in their place? If we'll stop seeing ourselves as in a battle or a war with people and start realizing that our war is not of this world, 
then we can really start to fight where the fighting counts. You decide to take a step in your life. You have to know what your posture needs to be for that. A defensive posture that I'm going to do what God has asked me to do, and I know that there's an attack coming. I know it's going to, I know it, I'm going to be under attack. That doesn't mean that you know the devil's going to destroy your life. You just have to know that you got to stand through the attack. That there will be a wave like the bear coming up on him. The bear's not going to sit there and try to get you all day. He's testing and then he'll go away. Or you'll have to elevate the situation. The devil's not going to continue to just poke at you over and over and over and over and over forget forever you have to you just have to stand until the wave of attack is over and when the devil's gone you'll still be standing and he'll try again Corinthians 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11 Paul's talking about the church and forgiveness and how the church needs to forgive this guy and then he says you got to forgive him he's been punished enough And it's hurting him, it's hurting you. He says, so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. Sometimes all the devil has to do to outsmart you is to just, he has to keep attacking you. He has to keep it going or or, or throw a curveball at you, or he'll attack from two sides. And it's just enough to where you say, nah, I can't do this. I can't do this. But I want you to imagine this. I want you to think about this, that the size of the attack is equal to the size of the threat that you pose. Whenever everything in your life is going wrong and everything, and you are fighting with your husband, fighting with your wife, and you just don't know why, and you can't figure out why, why does it feel like we're under attack? Of course, you, you probably are under attack. But there's probably something that he wants to prevent you from doing. He knows that if, he can, if you can do something for God, how many lives will be changed? How much will your life be changed? How many, how many souls will be taken out of hell and put into heaven? The cost to him, he can look at that situation and see if this person gets their life right, I got to stop them now before they ever get started. And so Angela and I, whenever we, when we realized that almost everything in our life was going wrong, we thought, hey, we can't back up now. No matter what, we have to start a church. We're not backing up from this for one second. Although we thought about, man, maybe this, we went through all the doubt and the thoughts of maybe we're not supposed to do this. But then we, we settled back on the word God gave us, and we settled back knowing you just have to settle into the promises that God has given you because the threat that you pose to the kingdom of darkness is so much that he will, he will continue to throw everything at you that he can. In other words, he's not going to bring a knife to a gunfight. He's not going to pose a small attack when you represent a, a huge impact to his work. Also, the level of attack exposes your level of ability. And yet, when we do get attacked, we do start getting lie after lie and everything goes wrong. It's hard for us to stay focused on, well, there is a prize at the end of this. I've got to stay focused. The greatest spiritual attacks are also right before your greatest spiritual breakthroughs. 
we think, well, maybe I should just, uh, maybe I need to back up and we think maybe this is time to just back up and punt. Or maybe this is the time where we'll just, we'll just put this on the shelf for a little while, then we'll rally back and come back for, for it later. If you believe that God has asked you or is leading you in one direction, sometimes you can be sitting in a service, and you've just listened to a message, and, and the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart more than, I, more than anything I ever tell you, and you feel like, you know what, I need to address this issue. I, you, a lot of times we walk out of church because we were listening to the Holy Spirit and wasn't in the message, but the Holy Spirit said, hey, you need to do this. You need to step in this. You need to take this step of faith. And then the, the, the moment that you start doing that thing, you become under attack. And then you think, oh, man, no, nah, we'll just wait on this. And his strategies are working. So here's the second thing you need to do. Not only do we expect the attack and expect that it will be a lie, but now we need to, number two, expose the lie. You need to know what the lie is that he's telling you. So how can you know, first off, how can you know, I'm going to go through these really quick. You're going to have to write them down if you want to write them down. How can I know that I'm under attack? First off, you are under attack or you're going to be under attack because as a Christian that's working for the kingdom of God, we, we fall under attack. That's the nature of living for God. So what does it look like if I'm under spiritual track, attack? Number one, it, it can look like extreme frust- frustration, like, man, I just can't get ahead. What is going on here? What is this? I'm so, I'm so upset. That's, that's such a common attack strategy. Have you ever been playing a, uh, some type of sport, like, Maybe basketball, if Cayman, if you and I were playing basketball, because I know that while I might look physically better than you, you could probably beat me. <laughs> I'm kidding. My, my number one strategy would be try to frustrate you. Dude, you suck. <laughs> Every time you miss, I would be trying to tell you, see, you can't make it. You're terrible. Why do you even play in basketball? Why did you even come out here? You can't beat me. The intimidation factor and the frustration because once you start to get a little bit frustrated, you can't operate and you can't function the way that you normally can. When you're clear, maybe it's a lack of peace. And Jesus is the prince of peace. And if you're operating in worry and anxiety, you have to know this is not where God wants me and this is an attack of the devil. Maybe it's an urge to quit. Maybe it's like, man, I can't do this. It's just too much. When, you, when you're just on the edge of, your, uh, of accomplishing something for God and doing something for God, you're just on the edge of breakthrough and you just have this urge to quit because everything's piling up on you. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's uh, someone that you're focused on that God's been wanting you to pour into them. Your mission. Maybe it's a commitment you made to God because the the frustration builds up and the urge to quit builds up. How many of you ever decided to fast? Maybe it's a a meal or you could could decide, God, I'm just going to give you lunch. And you've skipped lunch lots of times before, but when you decide, God, I'm not going to eat lunch because I'm going to sacrifice that for you today. By the end of lunchtime, you are starving to death and you're feeling like you've never eaten. 
it's just like this overwhelming urge. Maybe it's an intense temptation. Maybe it's this feeling like you want to do things that you haven't wanted to do in years. Maybe it's being drawn to old lifestyles. Things are pulling you back in. Or an extreme confusion because the devil is the author. He's called the author of confusion. But we serve a God of order. And the things that were very clear, the things where you thought, I know exactly what I need to do for God. I know exactly, I've got a plan, I've got a game plan, one, two, three, and it's good. God's good. God's showing up so big in my life. And then you start to act on that. And then a day goes by and all of a sudden you're starting to get confused and frustrated and wanting to quit. And if you're feeling those overwhelming feelings, you just need to realize, wait, maybe this is more than just a coincidence of worldwide proportions that, the, that the, the whole world is just struggling right now. So my life is pretty hard and I'm feeling some anxiety. Maybe you are under attack. So not only do we know that the devil's a liar, we know that he will attack and he will attack with a lie. We know where he will attack. I wish I had some more time to talk about this. We know where he will attack. On D-Day in World War II, where did they attack? They attacked on the the, the spot with the most potential to hurt or to help. Normandy Beach. So where does the devil attack? He attacks where you and the word of God meet. He takes the word of God and he twists it. So Genesis chapter 3, verse 2, he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say that? And he starts talking about what God said. And making us rethink, just like when we wanted to start the church. Did God really want you to, are you sure this is the right time to start a church? Are you sure that maybe you shouldn't wait a year to do this? Are you sure that you, maybe you misheard God. Maybe you didn't understand that promise. But here's the deal. If you are familiar with the enemy's playbook, it's not as effective. If you're on a football field or a basketball court and you know the play that they're going to run, It's not as effective as if it's a surprise. Sun Tzu said this in The Art of War. If you know the enemy and you know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. Like if you know how, you know what he's going to attack with, you know where he's going to attack. It's almost like you know that uh, Colonel Mustard did it in the library with the candlestick. You already know. You don't have to try and figure it out. You know what the devil's going to do. So we have to expect the lie. Expect the lies. And expose the lies. And the third, so if I know that the devil's attacking me where I know God's word, maybe it's, maybe it's you don't know enough of God's word. How could you think that you're going to do something for God? You don't even know the Bible. You can't lead anyone to God. You don't, know any, you don't have any of the Bible memorized. You're not a minister. You're not a real Christian. You don't even know what the Bible says. And we start to doubt ourselves. We start to take that lie that I'm not enough, that I'm not strong enough, that I don't know enough, that I'm not worthy enough, that God doesn't love me, that God doesn't care about me, that God doesn't even know who I am. You call yourself a Christian? You don't even, you barely even go to church. And now you want to act like you're something special. You shouldn't even be sitting on the fifth row or the sixth row. Or the, you, should be, you should be sitting outside the church. You should be watching at home. 
because you're not worthy to even come to church. Those are the, the, they, the devil will just lie to you. As long as you believe it, he'll keep pushing you away from God. And the, fourth thing, the third thing that we have to do is expel the lie. We have to understand that he's trying to attack us, and we have to counter, counter that attack with the Word of God. So the, the attack on the Word of God, he can attack our weapon because that's our strongest, most powerful weapon. He's going to attack it. And he also, like we talked about at the beginning, he wants to exhaust you. He wants to attack you in ways that will wear you down and destroy your will to fight. Maybe you've heard of uh, Tokyo Rose or uh, another lady in World War II called Axis Sally. In fact, there was a movie that came out this year called American Traitor. And uh, these two, although there were many in the war, they were uh, broadcasting personalities that would come up on the, on the radio over in Europe and in Asia. And they were broadcasting um, interviews and conversations and people, American voices designed to demoralize the troops, make them think that what they were fighting for was wrong, make them think that uh, the people back home didn't want them to fight, make them think that their families wouldn't accept them when they came home. So they would broadcast conversations and asking questions about wives and sweethearts and would they remain faithful and asking questions like, you know, especially if you boys are all mutilated and do not return home in one piece, do you think your wives and your sweethearts will still want you then? And these broadcasts played over and over and over, but the the U.S. military were taught and shown that, that this was a a plot of the enemy, that they were actually hired by the Nazis. They were hired by our enemies in order to demoralize them. So when the American soldiers would listen to it, they would make fun of it because they knew what it was there for. And so when they heard it, the truth of it made it less relevant to them. You know, the scripture says that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, but you still got to do something with the truth. You can't just, if you listen to it long enough, you'll start to believe it. And so the devil would love to, to, to have that voice of propaganda just speaking into the back of your mind, either through a friend or through a radio station or a television channel or a news outlet or social media or people that you work with or the voice can come from anywhere that begins to demoralize us and make us think, well, maybe we had people in our lives. Angela had people in our lives that would say, I don't know if you should start a church. If I were you, I wouldn't do it. And if we listened to that voice long enough, we would have thought, nah, probably it's better if we just wait. Probably, nah, maybe not. But when you know God's word and you know what you're supposed to be doing, Psalm 119, this is my last verse. I'm gonna read the message paraphrase. How can a young person live a clean life. In other words, how can I not get distracted? How can I not step out of God's plan and get the, the strategy of the devil taking root in my life? How can I do what I'm supposed to be doing? Here's the answer. By carefully reading the map of your word. That's God's word. I am single-minded in pursuit of you. 
Don't let me miss the road signs you've posted. I've banked your promises in the vault of my heart so I won't send myself bankrupt. Another version says that thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. What you have to have in your heart when those lies start to come is you have to have the truth. You've got to have the truth of God's word. Romans 8.38 tells us that nothing can separate us from God's love. And yet when the lie comes that says, God's love can't save you. God doesn't even know who you are. We got to be able to stand up and say, no, nothing can separate me from God's love. Nothing can take me away from God's love. When the lie says that I can't make it, I need to be able to say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I need to be able to know that I know that I know. What's the lie that the devil's telling you? Find somebody who's full of faith. Open up your Bible. Begin to read. Begin to study. Begin to know. And put the word in your heart. Even if you feel like you don't need it, so that when you do need it, it'll be there. We got to hide it in our heart. Today, I want us to make a commitment to ourselves and to God. And no matter what attack comes from the enemy, no matter what lies are thrown in my direction, I'm going to expose that lie. And then I'm going to expel that lie. And I'm going to, I'm going to resist the devil and he's going to flee. Let's stand by faith because there's more attacks now than, than any time I can remember. So many reasons for us to not stand. And yet if we will stand, I believe that we're just on the edge of a breakthrough. And I believe that the, that the magnitude of the attack reflects the potential that we hold if we can just stand. How much we can do for God. How much God can do in our lives and through the faith that we're growing. Would you pray with me? God, today, we commit to follow you, to stand with you, to love you, to not be moved by the works of the enemy, that every fiery dart that's thrown at us, that we'll be able to deflect it and block it with our shield of faith. For we know and we trust you, God. We trust your word. We trust the truth that you've given us to stand on. And so we'll hide your word in our heart that you'll never forsake us, you'll never leave us, that you have great plans for us, that you have purpose for us, that we are not worthless, but we are your, we are your masterpiece, your craftsmanship, and that from the foundations of the earth, you have built a future, you have built a place, you've gone to prepare a place for us. So God, we'll continue to work, we'll continue to stand when the devil comes around we'll be able to say no 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 not today not for my kids not for my livelihood not for my faith not for my family not for my future not for the plans that God has for me in Jesus name amen if you've never invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior that's the first step nothing else can take the place of that you can come to church it's one thing to 
to understand a little bit of the Bible and to try God a little piece. But, but Christianity doesn't work halfway. You got to be all in. And all in starts by just inviting him to be your savior, to be your Lord. And so if, if today you'd like to invite him into your life and surrender to him, then I'd love to invite you to say this prayer with me. Would you just bow your head right where you are? Would you repeat these words after me, whether you're at home watching online or sitting in this room? Would you repeat these words? God, today I give you my life. I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. I surrender everything to you today. You can have the things that I care about. You can have my family. You can have my trouble. You can have my strength. You can have my future. Forgive me of my sin and make me whole. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you put your hands together and welcome everybody who said that prayer into the kingdom of God. Pastor Susan's going to come. I love you guys and I'm excited about what God's doing with us and in us as we fight this good fight and stand up to the attacks of the enemy. Pastor Susan. Amen. Here we go. (laughs) That was so good. Don't y'all love that scripture in the message version that says, I will hide the promises in the vault of my heart so that I will not send myself bankrupt. Boy, that was like, such a great perspective, that verse. Well, we are so glad that you guys came here today. We're so glad that you watched us online. If you said that prayer today and you asked Jesus in your heart today, your journey starts right now. Amen. You've got a whole church here praying for you, running alongside of you, and we have got a gift for you. So when you leave outside that door, we'll have a book or we can get you one if you're watching online. We're going to go into our time of giving today. So the ways to give are on the screen. We will also have an usher right outside of the door with the bucket for you. And just know your giving goes and does things that you cannot imagine that you will even know on this side of glory. But when we get over there, somebody's going to come up to you and say, you know what? That little old $5 you gave, guess what? It made it to me and it changed my life. I came to know Jesus through your giving. Did I get you all to stand with me today? We're going to worship just a little bit longer, but I want to pray you out of here. And don't forget, declare when you worship this morning. Lord God, we just thank you so much for this message today. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your mercy that's going to follow us all the days of our life. Lord God, we pray over this giving, Father. Take it. Use it. Take people to know you, Lord God. We love you and give you all thanks. In Jesus' name.